to the book of 1 Samuel, the 17th verse, 17th chapter, excuse me, and the 38th verse. Thank you to this church. Thank you to my pastor for having faith in me. Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put an helmet of brass upon his head. Also, he armed him with a coat of mail. David girded his sword upon his armor. And he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off. If you'll turn your attention to the book of Acts, chapter 2, and verse number 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. Tonight, for a few moments of time, I would like to bring to you this thought. One word, proven. We set our Bibles down, lift our hands in the air, and pray that God would touch the remainder of this service. Pray with all of your heart. There's salvation on the line tonight. There's someone's peace on the line tonight. God, we love you. God, I thank you right now, Lord, asking you to move in a mighty way. Asking you, Lord, to move in the way that only you can move. God, I trust you, Lord, that you're going to allow me the anointing of your power and the anointing of your Holy Ghost, Lord, that would move upon me to give to these people as you've given it to me. God, I want to... Preach your word without fear and without favor. God, anoint my lips to speak your word. I trust you, Lord, that you're going to anoint the ears that they can hear, that you're going to open our understanding, God, that we will receive something of you and from you. We love you tonight and we praise you. Give them a hand clap of praise right now. You can be seated. Proven is demonstrated by evidence or argument to be true or existing. Proven is something that you do when you want to find out if something is true in the scientific world, they'll prove something before they can use it or before they will use it. They'll prove it to be that the outcome is the same. It's like an absolute or a constant. It's something that is proven to be the same time after time again. It won't change. Proven is something that you can hang your hat upon. Proven in the battlefield is whenever you take in a weapon that you know exactly what it's going to do. You know how far the trajectory will run before it runs out of knockdown power. You know how far that you can shoot it. You know how that, how that it's going to react 
to the shot placement because it's been proven. You would not take a weapon into battle that has not been proven. So David, we find here that he is at the battle against the Philistines and the Hebrews and the, is the Israelites. He had came down there to the battle and there was the giant that was there that was speaking out, calling the children of Israel everything under the sun, challenging them to the battle. He was saying, send me a man that I can fight with him. And the children of Israel were sitting on one side of the valley, and they looked upon this, and David was sent down by his father to feed or to see how the battle went and to, to give his brothers some bread. And we find that David looks at the situation and he begins to talk about why is this guy, why are we allowing him to come against us? We, are we not children of the Lord? Are we, is God not, not on our side? Does God not have our best interest in mind whenever he was looking upon this champion of the Philistines, this giant of a man, looking at him and looked at his brethren and said, why is it that we haven't sent out? someone to fight with him. It gets back to Saul that David is asking these questions and, and David is basically volunteered to step out into the battlefield and Saul calls him and asks him, David, what is your resume? And David looks at him and says, Saul, you see, whenever I was tending to my father's sheep, there was a bear and there was a lion that came and took one of the sheep. He said, and, and I, I faced the lion and I faced the bear. And I, and I went and I slew them. And I, and I grabbed the lion by the beard. And, and, I, and I took it with God's help. I was able to save that little sheep. And with God on my side, I could slay this giant. Before we get into the arena of slaying a giant in our life, somewhere there's going to have to be a bear. Somewhere there's going to have to be a lion. Because it's one thing to come against your problem. There's one thing to come against your situation whenever you have the church that is surrounding you and whenever you have the backing of your brethren and your sisters that's going to sit there and stand up with you and fight and cheer you on when you're in the arena of battle, when you're battling for your life, when you're battling for salvation, when you're battling for doubt. It's one thing to have the church standing up against you, but it's another thing to be on your own after a Sunday night service or after a red-hot prayer meeting and you find yourself face to face with a devil face to face with a lion that's trying to take your victory face to face with a lion that said I've got what, what you desire I've got what you need and I'm taking it from you 
It's one thing to sit there at an altar service and pray through to the Holy Ghost where you walk out on cloud nine with all the support. But we better have some time in what we're fixing to face. You know, I've heard it all my life that there's perilous times coming, that there's decisions that's going to have to be made that are, that are down the road. I've heard it preached that, that, that tribulations will come. But can I tell this church right now that there's tribulation and there's decisions and there's trust in God that's going to have to be made. It's not down the road. It's not years down the road. It's not it's not. It's not months down the road. It's on our doorstep right now where there's some in this congregation that's going to have to face some decisions. There's some of the people in this conversation, in this congregation that's going to have to face some fears, that's going to have to face a devil, that their career is on the line for choices that they're going to have to make for standing up for the word of God and their convictions. So it's one thing to stand up and say, I'm going to face my giant when I have the support of everybody in the church praying for me, when I have the support of everybody in the church calling on the name of the Lord for me. But, oh, whenever it's just you and that lion. The Bible says that our adversary is as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There's a lion on the doorstep. There's a lion on the awaiting. He's on the attack. He's looking right at your career. He's looking right at your decision that you're making. He's looking at your family. He's looking at what, how you've taken your family and where you've taken them to, and he's going to try to snatch them out of your very hands and take them and devour them. But I like what David said. You know, David could have said that I took my sling and I popped the lion at a 50-yard distance. Brother Landon, come here. But David said, I took that lion and I took him by the beard, and I looked him right in the eye. You can't take a lion by the beard and not look him in the eye. He said, I'm not going to He said, I'm not gonna sit there, and I'm not going to get a distance from him, but I'm taking him head on. I'm taking him face on. I'm grabbing him by the beard. Why? Because my God is greater. Because my God has made me promises. My God has given me my career. My God has given me my family. My God has given me everything that I have. Devil, you can't have it, and I'm willing to look you straight in the eye and stand bold and say you can't have it. Why? Because I'm going to have a prayer life that says my God is able and he will supply my need. So we're going to to face that lion to face that bear that's when we're on our own. The giants will come. You're going to face, each and every one of us are going to face giants in our life. 
Each and every one of us, with the sound of my voice, are going to face a giant in your life sometime, somewhere. God's going to place that giant in your life. And that giant is going to be taken out by the word of God. Because David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. That giant is going to be taken out in the arena of warfare. But it's that lion It's that lion that he's in the brush. You don't know when he's going to strike because of the stealthness of the lion. We can't turn tail and run when we face the lion. We've got convictions that we're standing for. We've got to stand flat-footed and say, I'm going to take you head on. I'm not going to give up my convictions. I'm not giving up my blessings. I'm not giving up where God has taken me. I'm going to face you head on because God's going to prevail in my situation. So David... Saul gives him his armor. David's looking at that armor as he tries it on. He tries to swing one way or the other. He's trying to move around in Saul's armor. Bible tells us that Saul was a big man, tall in stature. So I can imagine what that looked like on David. And David said, I'm not... I'm going to put this off because I'm not trusting in what man can give me. I'm not trusting in what the doctors prescribe. My faith and how I'm going to win this battle. It's not on my own, my own merit. It's not on what someone gives to me to put on. It's not a program that someone enrolls me in. But it's on my prayer life in the backside of a desert. It's on my prayer life when I was all alone. It's on my prayer life whenever no one was there helping me. But I got in contact with a mighty God that said, hey, let me deliver a lion to you. And let me deliver a bear to you. You're, he's not going to get away with your blessing if you just trust me. He's not going to get away with your blessing if you just believe in me. I've got your back, son. You can do this. said, I faced that lion and that bear. And God was the one that gave me the victory. David. I don't know. I can only imagine what Goliath was thinking as he looked, as he watched what was taking place in the camp of the Hebrews. I can only imagine what Goliath was looking at and he was wondering, I see them putting up, putting armor upon their champion.
Finally, I've got someone to fight. Look at him. He's putting his armor on. He's put his sword on. You can imagine that the blood begins to pump in Goliath as he begins to say, look at him. He's putting on the armaments of warfare. But then, what about when David began to take the armor off? Think about that. You're a man of war. Your enemy's looking at you. As you go to the doctor and you're trying to get prescribed to you what you need to make it through. As you're leaning on self-help programs to help you make it another day. The stress of life has come upon you that you can't hardly sleep at night. So you're beginning to take sleeping pills to help you sleep. The enemy's watching and getting excited. Ah, he's turning to the right thing. I can destroy him when he comes at me with that. I got him right where I want him when he comes with me, when he comes with me with the flesh, with carnality, when he comes with me with the programs, when, he, when he's putting on the armaments of this world. I can handle that. But what about whenever you come to an old-fashioned altar and that enemy's watching you saying, I've got him in a backslidden condition. He's going to the things of the world to help him cope. But when you get the Holy Ghost poured upon you and you begin to dance and you begin to shout, how does that mess with the mind of your enemy when he's saying he's taken off the armaments of war? He's taken off that thing that I can defeat. I can't defeat the Holy Ghost. I can't defeat an overcomer. I can't defeat someone that puts his trust in an almighty God. We're coming upon some times that we don't understand what's going on. There's some of us having sleepless nights because we don't know if we're going to have a job in a month. There's some of us having sleepless nights because we don't know what we're going to do with our family. But can I tell you, if you'll get down in an altar somewhere and begin to take off the armaments of worry and the armaments of stress and begin to give it to God and begin to dance and begin to worship and you watch God say, hey, I put you in that place. I'm going to take Take you on. Don't you worry. I've got your world in my hand. I should have already been past this, but I got to stay here. There's some of us in here, and I, I don't. I don't know if you've picked on the us, but I'm included in this also. There's some of us in here that we've spent time, we've spent money to get where we are. God has helped us. God has placed us. God has showed us favor. 
But sometimes we begin to do just like I did just now and say, I put myself here. I put myself through school. I, I, put, I paid money for this when it was really God supplying your need, when it was really God saying, hey, why don't you go down this avenue? I'm going to open this door for you. I'm going to lead you right in. I'm going to show favor in your life. But we have a tendency to forget what God has done. And it's easy to say, it's easy to say one of my favorite sayings is you get up every morning and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you go out and you work a hard day for a day's, for a day's wages. You go out and you work for what you have. Puts it on me doing it. When can I tell you that it's my God that has set me in the position that I'm in today? It is God that put me in the place where I am. It is God that showed favor with the people that I work for. It's God that has showed favor on me. It is God that has led my path. I don't deserve to be here, and I've got to stop taking credit for it. I need to be in this altar every day and every night that there's church service. showing everybody here that I exalt the King of Kings and that I lift up the name of Jesus for what he's done for me, for where he's brought me from, where he's keeping me at, and where he's taking me to. But I'm talking about proven. See, God has proven to me that he's got my future. Stacy and I come to church. She held a high position. Held favor in the company that she worked for. Hired a lot of people. A lot of people working under her. We had come and started working for the kingdom of God, putting everything we had into it, doing what we could for God. It wasn't months, six months that we decided to put everything into the kingdom of God, that this great job that she had ended. They removed her position. I was wrecked. I still had a good job. I didn't understand it. She didn't understand it. They see it. Went into a bout of depression over it. Didn't understand what God was doing. 
where God was taking us. But then out of that come to find out that my mother diagnosed with stage 4 lymphoma cancer. We look back on it now and we see and we rejoice because We helped my, my mother, Stacy helped my mother through this. She helped my mom to the appointments that she needed to go to through the chemo. She was a help to my mom through this whole time. And we look back on it now going, okay, God, you had, our, you had the future in your mind. You knew what you were doing because had it not been for that, then she probably never would have been able to help my mom the way that my mom needed help. And my mom is a child of God. My mom has served God for years and been faithful to God. So don't worry about what you're going through, where God's taking you. He may be helping one of, your, one of his others. He may be helping somebody else along their way. Ten-year trial that my wife went through. But it was just a few years ago that she come to the decision that she didn't care anymore about having a job, a career. She didn't care about any of that. She wanted to serve God, and she wanted to give God her best. And she began to pour herself into the church again and pour herself like she did before. And God opened doors. And now she's got another, she's got a job that, that it, it just uh, it blows my mind because she don't have to leave the house, but she's doing the same thing that she did before because God said, I've got your future in mind. You don't worry about what you're going to have to do. Don't worry about your convictions. Don't worry about where I'm taking you because I am taking you and I have your world in my hand. Let me help someone tonight and tell you, you stand for your convictions. You stand for where God is leading you. You let God take in you because that's the path that is proven. That's the path that is proven it's been proven time and time again that God's going to provide. It's been proven time and time again to me that I may be down and I may be out, but God's the lifter of my head. David used what it was in his hand. He said, what's proven to me is the sling. What's proven to me is on the backside of the desert God shaped me. God made me. God anointed me. On the backside in a prayer room is where God allowed me to be what I am today. I can face a Goliath because I have something in my hand that is proven. And the only way you get something in your hand that is proven is to be in a prayer room, to be on your face before God, to be in a, and have a relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. David prevailed that day. Salvation of Israel 
was in his hands because he used what was proven. Took off the head of the giant because he was able to use what was proven. Salvation came because he didn't cave to the things of the world. He didn't cave to the programs. He didn't cave to easy believism. He didn't cave to, to false doctrine. But he, he said, I can't use that which you've given me because I have not proved it. Going to Acts, second chapter, 14th verse that I read in your hearing. Peter was standing up with the eleven. Get all the ministry to come up here. Brother Garrett. Peter standing up with the eleven. From Pettis. Did I make eleven? I want to get it right. Voted. Yeah. So Peter standing up with the eleven. Peter in Matthew sixteenth chapter. Jesus asked the disciples, he said, Whom do men say that I am? They said, Some say you're Elias and one of the prophets, and Jesus said, But whom do ye say that I am? Peter said, Thou art the Christ, and Jesus told him that Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. And he gave him something. And he said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. He gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. The keys to the kingdom is what unlocks salvation. So Peter, on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, there was the men that were in the city asking, what is this? And Peter stood up with the eleven and he said, These men are not drunk as you suppose. And he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He began to preach salvation in Jesus' name. Now what's interesting is that Peter standing up with the eleven, the writer of the book of John was there that day standing up with Jesus whenever he preached. Now Jesus, or excuse me, now Peter, when he preached Acts 2.38, he said that you're going to have to repent and be baptized, every one of you. Repentance is turning away, is asking for forgiveness for what you've done, being sorrowful. God, I'm sorry for the way that I've lived, and I'm going to make a 180-degree turn, and I'm going to turn away, and I'm going to look towards you. 
Now, what did John write in John chapter 3, verse 16? Do you have a mic? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Okay. So now you have religions and you have people out there that are saying that all you got to do is John 3, 16. Just believe on him. And you're going to have, you're not going to perish, but you're going to have everlasting life. Now, if Peter would have stood up with the 11 behind him, and Peter would have said anything wrong, if he would have, and John was there when he said, you're going to have to repent, and you're going to have to be baptized. What do you think John would have done if John thought he had got it wrong? John would have said, no way. Wait a second, Peter. I have something to say because Jesus told me But my Bible tells me that Peter was not was uninterrupted whenever he said you're going to have to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That tells me that's been proven. Someone was there with Jesus and took commandments of Jesus, the one that wrote that you're going to have to be baptized, that you're going to have to, to, to uh, receive the Spirit. He was there. It's proven. Now, Peter standing up with the 11, whenever he got to that critical point, whenever the people asked after they were convicted in their heart, what shall we do? What are we going to have to do to be saved is what they were asking. And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, I kind of expected the same response that I had the first time I said it, because it's just as true now as it was when I just now said it. Come on, now we believe this? Because it's proven. It's all right. It's all right to clap. It's all right to clap and say amen in agreement whenever you hear the plan of salvation. No matter how many times it's said from this pulpit, it ought to be an excitement at the revelation that we have. That, that oh, it's water baptism in the name that is above every name. Uh-huh. It's water baptism in that name that's called us out. That gives us an identity. So Peter... He's standing up with the 11. And Luke, I'm sure that Luke concurs whenever Luke knows that he's going to write. Go ahead. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled. Hold on, Luke. Who's saying that? Uh, Jesus. Jesus is saying this. Okay, go ahead. Red letter. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. 
And where were they at? They were at Jerusalem when Peter stood up with the 11. And he was uninterrupted when he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Don't let anybody tell you that the Holy Ghost is not for you. Don't let anybody tell you that it's just for these guys, that it's just for them back there. But because he said it is for you and it is for your children and all that are far off. So, proven again. I'm talking about what's proven. So he's standing up with the 11. And Mark is beginning to reminisce as Peter begins to preach. And what does Mark say? And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out deep devils. They shall speak with new tongues. So, when Peter, standing with the eleven, I'm trying to show you that it's proven. Just like David Whenever he said, I'm going to use what's proven. I'm going to use what I've proved. The disciples are saying, we're going to use what is proved. Whenever Mark is reminiscing and he's remembering what Jesus told him. And, and, and Peter stands up and says that you've got to repent if you want to be saved. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of those sins. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He proved it again. Now we get to the hang up in the road. Because if according to most religions of this day and this time, water baptism, they will tell you that it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. But can I tell you that when Peter stood up with the 11, old brother Matthew was there, and Matthew, whenever he's hearing Peter give this commandment, he's thinking about on what Jesus told him. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven, and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So, when Peter stood up with the eleven... I'm going to tell you something right now. If he would have got it wrong, Matthew would have been tugging on his coattail saying, hey, that's not how I heard it. That's not how it was delivered to me. Matthew would have been standing up and getting his Peter's face and saying, Peter, you did it again. You're a little bit wrong. Peter, you've walked off the trail a little bit. Peter, that's not the way it's written. Peter, there's a triune Godhead. But oh no, Matthew was standing up and I believe cheering Peter on when Peter said, repent. 
and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. As we stand all over this house, it's proven again that the only way to be saved is to repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name that is above every name, in Jesus' name. And receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, just like David not willing to take the salvation of all of Israel and put it on man's theology and put it on man's design with the armaments of what they provided to him. He said, I'm putting that off because I'm sticking to what is proven. I'm putting that off because what's proven to me is that God's going to provide. Whenever you accept the Lord as your personal Savior, as some would say to do, that that's all you have to do to be saved, I would tell you that you're taking on man's interpretation. Man's interpretation of what it takes to be saved. That's like David putting on the armor. That's like David putting on what man gives him. He said, oh, no, I'm going to what's proven. And what's proven is tonight if you're in this building, there's ministry here that is willing to pray with you. There's ministry here that is willing to help you, to lead you, to guide you, to lay their hands upon you. Not to give you the Holy Ghost, but that's something that God gives you. That's something that you have to repent of your sins for. And God will infill you with the Holy Ghost. God will give that to you. That's a gift that God gives to you. not giving my salvation away to what man says. I open these altars right now to anybody that needs the Holy Ghost. The only way to be saved is to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's a promise. But also these altars are open to those that know what's proven. You're going through some struggles. You're going through some times and you need some victories. Now's the time. Now's the place to come down to this altar right now as we gather in. As we gather in, begin to pray. As we gather in to begin to seek the face of God, knowing that God has your future. Knowing that if you have found your place or found yourself in a situation that you don't know what's going to happen next.
But you don't know your answer. You don't know where your answer is. Can I tell you it's proven that God has your answer. It may be that you're going to have to face the lion. It may be that you're going to have to feel the hot breath as it breathes upon you. But can I tell you with a surety that God has you in his mind, that God has your well-being, that God has your blessing, that God has your comfort, that God has your answer. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus right now. God's a provider. God's a healer tonight. If you're here and you've gotten news, it's hard to swallow. It's hard to understand what it is and where God has taken you. I want you to begin to lift up your voice and lift up your hands and begin to cry out to the Creator, saying, God, I put my life in your hands. I've trusted you through the good times and through the bad. And God, I know what I'm fixing to face, that you're going to lead me on. You're going to guide me on. God, I can't do it on my own. I'm not willing to take on the things of the world. I'm not willing to allow them to dictate my praise. I'm not willing to allow them to dictate my victory. 